0: Big Band Tuesday. is loud. Those really loud, came in there. <laughs> loud Big Band Tuesday. I like the enthusiasm. Rough on the cymbals. <laughs> you are listening to the <laughs> Halford on the hi hat. Yep, that was very nice. I saw sports at six fifty. Uh, yeah. Halford and Rough in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. <laughs> Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today we are in hour two of the program. Hour two is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle you, you, get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. Hey, dog. you should see it when I get my brushes out on the drums. Oh, yeah. you the brushes. Uh, we're coming to you live
1: from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at Kintech.net.
0: Okay, uh, I got a few things to do here. We got an open segment. First thing I need to do is remind everybody that we're giving away a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and Vegas Golden Knights Thursday, 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena. That's right, this Thursday, November 30th. We are going to give away a pair of tickets to the best what we learn submission into the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket at 650-650. All you have to do is hashtag it WWL, put a ticket emoji into your text, you'll be entered into the... Now, remember, it's not a grand prize draw. It's a grand prize contest. Mm -hmm. There's a winner. This isn't just luck. Is this a potential playoff preview? First round. Ooh, look at you, Canucks, go. Vegas, Kings win the division. Yeah, right. Vegas is old news now. It's all about the Kings in the Pacific Division. Um, I, you Vegas know, hasn't been playing that well. They're three, five, and two in their last ten. They got shut out by Arizona in their last mm-hmm. game. They I lost Calgary say. last night. Yeah, right. Aiden Hill, where's Laddie? Did you ever come? Did you ever figure out what was going on with Aiden Hill on that goal last night? I asked Laddie this right off the top. Mm-hmm. I said I was watching the Flames and Golden Knights yesterday. And in overtime, which was a weird overtime, right? It yeah, was... yeah. It
1: started out four on three for the Flames, and then there were
0: no whistles. So it was a four on four overtime. Old the school. fans were like, "Get a whistle!" Yeah, and then Mackenzie Weger with like five <laughs> seconds left, comes across the blue line, and just kind of flicks one on net. Where is Gregor? You gonna are you gonna speak on this? Because I, spoiler. Greg doesn't think it was the goalie's fault. Oh, what a surprise. You can see from the reverse <laughs> angle, it was clearly deflected. Yeah. I like that you jumped And you yeah. watched Hill's reaction. He's going high blocker, then he has to bring his arm down because it knuckles down. What it's do we call that hole between the armpit and the body? And the six and seven holes. The six and seven holes, yeah. yeah. So he didn't cover that up very well. Because he was reaching to go for the top corner, and then it was deflected. I did. You know what I like? Um, I like a good goalie skate-off as soon as they let in. He's gone. Yeah, yeah. Tim Thomas T- he's, I was, gonna say, he Tim was Thomas the best was at the best. it, right? Mm-hmm. The puck wouldn't even be across the line some Sometimes, and he'd be like, damn, I got to go. And then his, yeah, his coach was like, Tim, you need to stop skating off before the game. <laughs> was over. it the Burroughs wraparound one where he just kind of booked he it off? He lined yeah. it off the ice. Yeah. And Hill did that yesterday. <laughs> I think because he partially knew it's like, ah, this one's got the stink lines on it. So anyway, this is all oh, the Burroughs is. wraparound. Yeah. Everything was so good. <laughs> we There's no way we were going to lose four or five. <laughs> everything was good. Um, okay. So get your what we learns in win some tickets, yada, yada. Speaking of the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket, earlier I asked texters because I didn't want to do the research myself and I wanted to pander to you people and give you a chance to have your say. Um, I asked, you know, why are we in a world where the Detroit Red Wings are signing Patrick Kane, presumably to not just make the playoffs, but try and do something when they're there. And this is the same team that decided to move on from Philip Hronick. The as I, as I tried to force-feed Canucks content into the conversation, my larger point was, if you're ready to win now, why not have a defenseman that can help you win now? So countless texters weighed in. Uh, this first one is from Detroit Brian. As the name suggests, he's a Detroit guy. So it's a little bit of a long text. He I'll calls write. himself a real Red Wings diehard. His name's Detroit Brian, possibly mm-hmm. legal. Um, Detroit Brian writes... The Red Wings have a plethora of young defensemen in Edvinson, Johansson, and Wallender that complement Mo Sider. Hronick didn't match their timeline or age of their young decor. It was a good move moving him to Vancouver for picks when they weren't going to make the playoffs. Okay, I got time for that. Uh, I think I asked for Red Wings. Are any of those guys right shots, though? I think they're all Sider lefties. Sider's a righty, right? Yeah, Sider's a righty. Yeah. So, if yeah, I guess, hey, you know what? If Sider's going to be your number one top pair righty, okay. I got time for that. Uh, Red Wing Ted, who I asked earlier, wrote in. He's like, I'm fine for the deal with Kane. Uh, and then he goes on to say, as for Hironic, I don't think he was affordable long term. So getting the trade pieces was going to be more beneficial with a year left on his deal as opposed to trading him when he didn't have any term mm-hmm. left on his deal. And then Red Wing Ted goes on to write that Cider is the right uh, top pair defense and right shot for the foreseeable future. Now, here's another one. Final text on this. Just so we're giving both sides of the coin. Uh, unsigned text, so it must be from Gary from Detroit. Oh, good old Detroit Gary. I think that Stevie Y just isn't as good as he's made out to be. He's still a great executive, but his weakness is pro personnel. Remember, he signed Ben Sherratt to a four-year deal after his atrocious year in playoffs because he had a good playoff the season prior. Then he said, oh, he thinks he's overrated, Sider. I don't know about that. Most Sider seems like a pretty good defenseman. But I do have a little bit of time. I love Steve Eiserman. Right. I think he is a terrific executive. I, and if he gives you a plan, I'm backing it more often than not because Mm. proof of concept was in Tampa Bay. But it's possible that a good uh, talent evaluator, executive, and general manager makes a bad move every now and again. But there's your full picture. Can
1: I I still say that I want to see Horonic by himself? Not by himself, but you can put him with another player. But that player is not Quinn Hughes. Oh, sure. Like, I, like, I'm not saying do it tonight. No like no 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 like yeah. I I just I just wish we could see it because this is going to be what hell of a contract negotiation mm-hmm. because Philip pronick if you look at some comparables out there and considering the numbers let's say he stays with Hughes together for the entire season yeah and let's say that he gets more run on the power play and I think we all kind of liked him on the power play right I know Kuzmenko probably didn't like him on the power play that much, but no. you know there aren't many power plays out there with two defensemen anymore. But having him out there, I thought added something. I thought he looked really good. So let's say that's that remains, and he piles up some points on on special teams. Yeah, could you pay Horonic more than Quinn Hughes?
0: Uh, yeah, conceivably, but that's not ideal, is it? Like, well, Hughes will get his on his next contract. Yeah, but his next contract isn't for like four years. Because <laughs> everyone signs too long contracts in the NA. Everyone should be a four-year deal. That way you get to reset. <laughs> okay, no, this, this is
1: not an opportunity for you to go on a soapbox. I'm fired up! I'm just talking about how these things very sometimes go, right? Sometimes have teams have like salary structures. But did Quinn Hughes sign such an amazingly team-friendly deal that... You know, Horonix agent is just going to be like, "Well, that's his."
0: You fault, remember what happened and in Colorado? That's right? His problem is they got Nathan yes, McKinnon. That's on what a, I'm talking yeah, about. They got Nathan McKinnon on a great deal mm-hmm. at his lowest when the team was terrible, and they're like, "Now's the time to strike." And then, lo and behold, it became kind of a weird situation because he wasn't even like the third highest paid forward in their own room, right? right? Landis Cog out earned. So maybe him.
1: maybe that's the. Do you want to be like Nate McKinnon? <laughs>
0: Yeah, and then but but here's the thing, shockingly underpaid. Yeah, again, this doesn't happen if you only have four year deals, right? Because they all run out, and then you get to make your market value and market worth. But okay, okay. Anyway, uh, back to my point. Earlier was that sometimes you can frame things in a way that don't have to be so polarizing, and it can be funny. Like the way I was doing it was between Veronic and Hughes. Detroit gifted Vancouver this unbelievable. Pair of defensemen. It's the best defensive pair in the NHL. And it's hilarious because we often talk about, well, Quinn Hughes is already the best defenseman in franchise history. Mm. We're now living at a time where the Canucks have the greatest defensive pair in franchise history. It's a short window right now, but you don't need it to be much bigger because there's never been a defensive pairing in Vancouver that's been this good. And is like I, I would say clearly the best pair in the nhl right now. Yeah. But again, like the- outside of Taves and McCar maybe. So are you are you not curious
1: at all to see what Horonic would look like by himself on a
0: like with a pair? I am. Know, I'm like- just taking a moment to appreciate what's gone on over the first yeah. 20 games of the season, right?
1: Yeah, Horonic has 22 points in
0: 22 games. He's a plus 13. It's amazing. It's amazing that the what they've done over this 20 game span and it's mm-hmm. actually probably papered over how bad the blue line is. Collectively, because behind those two guys, there ain't a lot. I mean, you're they're piecemealing it together with, you know, Juleson and Hirose and anyone else that's Friedman. Right. I mean, you look at where they are in the standings and the fact that those guys are playing regular shifts, regular minutes, it's actually kind of amazing. So Mark texts in and says, Mark, at a gas station. All right. Cool. Uh, Mark texts
1: in, any argument the Canucks will have on Hronik negotiations that his play is bolstered by playing with Hughes, Hronik can counter with saying Hughes had his best year while playing with him. That's why it's going to be such a fascinating negotiation. Yeah. Like, I don't
0: think. Is he propping me up or am I propping
1: Well, yeah, which makes, like, comparables, you know, people, people are like, yeah, that comparable doesn't count. But
0: these are champagne problems. These are good problems to have, mm-hmm. right? It, it, I, I'm going to get my soapbox again. This is why the cap system is so bad. Like You shouldn't be pe- penalized or punished for having good players playing good hockey. Mm-hmm. But you can frame it in a way where everything that Heronic is doing right now is going to be negatively impacting the Canucks later on because they're going to have to pay them. Yeah. And they've got cap problems. Like that, that's, it's not great. Management should call down to talk and be like,
1: pair him with the worst left shot defenseman you have and yeah. see how he does. And then you can bring that up in negotiations. It's like, we
0: called the guy from Kalamazoo, not even <laughs> from Abbotsford. Like that's where this guy's going. Once the right.
1: Canucks have qualified for the playoffs. Yeah. Now we'll see. <laughs> and they just, then they just bury him. Yeah.
0: But-, but every single defenseman he plays with turns into Quinn Hughes. It's like, oh, he's, the, se- he's
1: the secret weapon. It's going to be so expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Talk about two fascinating contract negotiations coming up in the same year, though. Hronik and Petey, like th- those, are both. What are they going to do if you can? Uh, if you could imagine trickier contract <laughs> negotiations? No, they're not screwed. But it's what just a matter. Do? What? What do you? What they negotiate a contract probably?
0: Yeah, but based on what the guys are worth and what they're going to get paid, that's, that's my. Again, it, my question, that's, that's what why are you, they going
1: to do? <laughs> that, that's why it might be a very, like, I could see, I could see Hironic contract being, you know, like you go, I could see this happening. I'm not saying it will. I could see it going into the off season. It's like, there's no deal there. What's yeah. going to happen? Right. Mm-hmm. I could see that happening with Petey. Right. You, you know, those RFA seasons where you're just kind of like, well, yeah, I wonder when this is going to get solved. Mm hmm. I mean they got yeah the cap is uh, legit. I mean we saw this this offseason with Shane Pinto but that was a little bit of a different reason. Yeah,
0: hopefully that doesn't pan out. Again. <laughs> like, we want that to be a one-time deal. Um
1: we got an ask us anything here and we'll allow it cuz is an opening open uh segment here. It's almost Friday. Uh ask us anything. What would be more of a shock, the Oilers making the playoffs or Toronto missing the playoffs? That's a really really good question because I think both overall would be shocking that the Oilers were able to come back and make the playoffs mm, and Toronto has been such a perennial playoff team um, I would say that it would be more shocking if the Oilers make the playoffs because mm, agree. they would have to play they're gonna have to play so well down the stretch yeah. I think both are possible like I'm not saying either is impossible I think uh, the Oilers can make the playoffs. The only okay, hold, on, I, hold and, on, hold and, on. And 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 I think Toronto would miss and I, but I do want to use this I'll let you go first, but I do want to use this as a jumping off point to talk about what Brad Living talked about yesterday.
0: So, the only reason Toronto's in the spot that they're in now, which is like the second wild card spot on 23 points is cuz they played so many fewer games than everybody else. They still got a 605 points percentage. Like they they're winning enough games to be a playoff team, I would say comfortably. I would be shocked if they fell out. Based on their pedigree, based on the fact that they've done this countless times before, I'd be way more surprised if Edmonton gets their way back in. They, Edmonton is so far back. They have 15 points. Yeah. Like they're way back. Now, they can go on a heater for sure. Well, Someone was like, well, they're only six back of Seattle or whatever it is, right? Yeah, they're six back of Seattle and Calgary. Um, but they have to do... Several things that I'm just not sure that they're going to be able to. One is keep pucks out of their net with regularity. Now, like it's great that they have a two-game win streak against a sort of average Washington team and then a not very good Anaheim team. Mm-hmm. That to me is not proof of concept that they're back. McDavid piling up nine points is maybe proof of concept that he's back. But I don't think that McDavid's the problem here. I think the problem is they, that should they have still... no margin for error. Yeah, and I like have they figured sure. out the goaltending. Have they figured out their defensive system? It doesn't seem like mm-hmm. it, right? The same culprits are still there. And, 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 and still and, playing. Um, Skinner's still there. I just don't see how those guys flip the switch. McDavid, yes. He's a a flip switcher, switch, flipper, whatever. He could do it, right? <laughs> he's a flip sh- switcher. Yeah, right. Yeah, you said it right. Yeah, I just went with both. Anyway, he's a guy that y- he can go... That's long. a tough
1: one because they're both verbs, right? Yeah, that's a tough yeah. one. Yeah, yeah.
0: Flip switcher. Oh, yeah. flick the switcher. They're
1: both, they're both yeah, yeah. Anyway.
0: But he's a guy that, oh, he goes along and he's not having a great year, and then boom, nine points in two games. Mm-hmm. I don't know about the rest of the team.
1: Um, so Brad, you living, was talking yesterday. Uh, he is the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs now. Uh, he was talking about how his team has had kind of a so-so start. And he was asked about William Nylander, and he said, listen, I said that our it was our intention to sign Austin Matthews, and you saw what happened. I signed Austin Matthews. So he's taking the same tact with William Nylander, but talk about tough ne- negotiations in Vancouver. Maybe even tougher for Toronto because William Nylander can say, okay, well, I'll just walk away for nothing then. Mm. Okay, bye. Yeah, right. Hronick and Petey can't do that. He also said, listen, we're going to address the defense, but How's he going to do it? Most people expect him to call <laughs> Calgary, his old job, and say, I know some of the guys there. wouldn't mind them bringing him in Toronto. Uh, Toronto's blue line, and we've said this right from the very start, it's not very good. This is not a very good blue line yeah. at all. And I know there's a lot of concerns right now in Toronto about Mitch Marner's play. So. He hasn't been very good. And I know there's concerns about the goaltending. Um, Samsonov hasn't been all that good. And Joseph Wall is one of those players where they're kind of like, yeah, we like him. We like mm-hmm. his potential, but is he ready right now? Yeah. Is he ready right now to carry the load for a team that expects to make the playoffs and, frankly, expects, whether or not they're going to do it, to do something once you get to the playoffs? So there are a lot of issues facing Brad Living. I've watched a bunch of Leafs games this year, and my response to their games has been, meh.
0: Yeah. That's that's Marner. They're fine. His name's Meh Marner. Um, It's interesting to watch that play out because what's happened in Toronto is it's basically like, we love Willie. We love Nylander. He's playing great. So he got the promotion up to the first power play unit in the first line. And then as a result, Marner got dropped. Mm -hmm. And it's almost become this Nylander versus Marner thing, further complicated by the fact that Nylander... Needs a contract. Meanwhile, Marner's getting paid $10.9 million this season to not play as well as the pending UFA. And, you know, I was thinking about that Marner deal. And I'll always say that the Tavares deal was the one that was super erroneous. Like, they shouldn't have done it. It didn't work out. I know people don't like the take, whatever. The Marner contract has also been a very contentious one throughout the entirety of it. Yeah. Because it's kind of been one of the poster children of an underperforming team. Now, Marner's had great individual seasons, right? He was a selkie candidate. He scored a ton of points. He but was also
1: perceived as not leaving a penny on the table in that exactly, negotiation. Exactly, right? right? It's like, right. I'm
0: going to squeeze them for all that they're worth, and if they don't give it to me, I'm going to tell my dad to leak stuff through certain individuals in the media. <laughs> and then it just so happened that he got everything that he wanted. Like, there's very few guys, I think, that could say they maxed it out, but Marner 100% did. Right? Six years, $65 million, you, you, you didn't leave anything on the table. Now, the problem with that is that the fan base has almost held it against them for the entirety of the contract. Right. Mm-hmm. The reason that we're in this situation is because you're making so much money. and The reason that we might not be able to keep knee is because you're making $10.9 Brandon in Vancouver, the Sharks and the
1: Leafs have the same amount of regulation wins. Five. Yeah, the Leafs only have five regulation wins. Wins, mm-hmm. which if which Calgary defenseman, if there is going to be one that ends up in Toronto, which one do you think it'll be? Here are the options: okay. Nikita Zadorov, who has already requested a trade; Chris Tanev, who I don't know if you watched the game yesterday. Oh, yeah, right. He
0: blocked a shot. Blocked a shot face. with his face. He just. He. I don't even know how else to describe it because that. He just laid down head first. Well, the the shot
1: went wide. He didn't expect it to go into his face, but But he he left
0: that face open. He leaned out enough with his face where you're like, he had a chance to not do
1: that. Or Noah Hannafin. All those guys are pending UFAs. But then if you're Craig Conroy in Calgary, aren't you kind of thinking like, hey, why would I trade these guys now? Let's. Just take it to the trade deadline all the way in March and see where we're at. Mm -hmm. Because if you're looking at the Western Conference right now, and even if you're out of the playoff picture, unless
0: you're Chicago, you're looking at the standings and going, we can catch those guys. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, one of the questions I wanted to ask Wish, we didn't get a chance though, is he wrote about the perceived notion of, American Thanksgiving and where you're at in the standings and he he did a sort of deep dive on it and he said we could have more chaos this year than in a lot of years prior because, again, if you look at the standings, you're not really sold, especially in the West. Calgary's actually in a wild card spot right now. now. They've kind of middled their way back into it. Big That's- win last night over the Golden Knights, and boom, they're back in. Well,
1: you know another team that is actually playing some pretty good hockey right now, five wins in a row, and they've now got a positive goal differential is Nashville. Yeah, the Preds, I saw that. They went from 5-10 and 10 to 10-10. and 10. Arizona could like do that. it. But then if you're Edmonton looking up— you're like, you're like, okay, let's we just even if we're not going to catch a team like the Canucks, let's just get into a wild card spot. And then, can you imagine getting the Oilers in the first round? You're like, Ah, great! But St. Louis is in a wild card spot right now with a record of 11, 8, and one. Mm-hmm. They've got a minus two goal differential, and Calgary is in the second one. Mm-hmm. And then it's Seattle, Nashville, Arizona, Anaheim—those are the teams ahead of them. I, I'm, I'm not saying it's likely that the Oilers are going to do it, but all I'm saying is, if you're the Oilers you're hardly looking at this
0: situation going like, this is impossible to do. I'll say this about Edmonton. So tomorrow night, or sorry, tonight. My God, it's already the 28th. Tonight we've got, uh, everyone's going to be focused on the Canucks and Ducks, right? That's what we're going to be watching. But uh, in Edmonton, at 6 o'clock our time, the Edmonton Oilers take on the Vegas Golden Knights, who will be here on Thursday. To me, that's a real important game for the Oilers because all due respect to beating the Caps and the Ducks by a combined 13-2 score, this is a real test. It's also the rematch of last year's playoff series in which I think Edmonton felt that they left something on the table. Oh, definitely. What they left on the table was a win over Vegas. Trying to get to the Western Conference Final. Uh, (laughs) Vegas... Was good last year. They were great last year. Deserving Stanley Cup champions. But Edmonton feels like they could have won that series. And it could have been them, not the Golden Knights, Mm -hmm. that won the Stanley Cup. Now, it's funny to talk about this with an Edmonton team who's been in complete disarray since then. Fired their coach and what have you. But that's a big game. Like, I will be watching that one closely. Because Edmonton has a chance to make a statement like, okay, we figured some things out. And we're not just beating up on crappy teams. We're going to get a win against a really good team. And Vegas is coming into Edmonton, so there's that dynamic as well. If- I, I, I just think I think Calgary
1: is going to be fascinating to watch what they do. We got a text in the Flames are on a roll. Why would they trade a D man? Yeah, that's kind of what we're getting at, well, right? If you're Craig Conroy, why, why wouldn't you just take all the time in the world to get to the trade deadline and then see where you are? Even if you're in a playoff spot, you can still do the trade.
0: The reason it, that they it, might it, do a trade is because Craig Conroy said, upon taking the job as general manager, I can't make the mistakes that the previous regime made, which was letting these guys. No, but take it to the trade deadline and see where you are. At least that could be even more dangerous, though. If you take it to the trade deadline and you're comfortably in a playoff spot, you can't be selling off Zidora. Sure, and- you can. Sure,
1: you can. That would you be- can still make the playoffs, but you you just say, listen, he doesn't want to resign. So we're going to trade him. Why? What do you want to go through another Johnny Gaudreau situation?
0: Or you just say he's our rental. He's not going to be somebody else's rental. No, you Christian. can't do that. Yeah, that's, a, that's Torgy
1: a Texan, in Calgary is so screwed though because some of those guys are not signing. Regardless, they have a weak prospect pool. So what do you do? Yeah, it is a very tough situation for a rookie general manager. That's why it's going to be fascinating. It's easy if they if they you know they've been resurgent lately. It's easy if they. N- just fall apart. Sure. Right. That's the that's the easiest situation for Craig Conroy to be in. Yeah. Right. But remember, coming into the season, there are a lot of people like, okay, well, let's see if they can bounce back. On paper, their roster, even if they lack a game breaker like Kachuk or Goudreau, the roster had
0: depth to it. They got a pretty good blue line. Okay, uh, we got a lot more to get to on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. Jonathan Davis from NHL Network is going to join us to preview tonight's game from the Ducks' side of things, uh, West Coast hockey guys. So he covers the Ducks. We can ask him about the Los Angeles Kings as well, who are absolutely on fire right now. Uh, that's coming up at 7:30, 8 o'clock. Brendan Batchelor, as we look ahead to tonight's game from the Canucks' perspective, he is the Canucks' play-by-play man. He joins us at eight, and then at 8:30, we are giving away a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and Vegas Golden Knights on Thursday from Rogers Arena. If you want to win the tickets, send to what we learned, put a ticket emoji into the text, hashtag it WWL, and text it to 650-650. That is the Dunbar Lumber text line. You are listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.
2: Talking all Canucks, all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drantz. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: 32 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. Jonathan Davis from NHL Network is going to join us in just a moment here. Talk a little Anaheim Ducks ahead of tonight's game. 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena. Canucks, Ducks. You can hear it right here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Hour two of this program is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. Uh, As I mentioned, it is the Ducks in town. They're coming off an 8-2 loss in Edmonton. The game is tonight, 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena. Pre-game, post-game, and the actual game, all right here on Sportsnet 650. Joining us now to break things down from the Ducks side of things. As mentioned, he is from NHL Network. Uh, Host of Ice Cap, Jonathan Davis,
2: here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Jonathan. How are you? I'm doing great. I am also the uh, unofficial president of the L.A. chapter of the Mark Friedman Fan Club.
0: Really? I did not know there was a chapter in L.A. That's impressive. How how did that come come about?
2: Well, I grew up with his dad, his brother, and his grandparents.
0: Oh, okay. Um, You you know what? I'm going to admit, I didn't know a ton about... The guy I knew I knew who he was, mm-hmm. right? Didn't know a ton about him. I knew that uh, Vancouver this new management group had an affinity for former Pittsburgh Penguins, so it was like, well, he ticks some boxes there. But what, like, tell us a little bit more about the guy because I honestly didn't know a ton about him other than, well, he used to play in Pittsburgh. That means he's probably on the Canucks radar.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, it's a guy that plays with a lot of snarl. I mean, that's really what he is, and I think that you know something that this Canucks team. You know, could use and and obviously Rick talking ha- having some you know background with him. Uh, uh, it, it was just a natural fit.
0: Okay, let's talk about this Anaheim Ducks team that's coming into town tonight. So uh, it wasn't that long ago, uh, November fourteenth, to be exact, that the Ducks beat the Preds, the three two. They got to 9-6-0 on the year. It looked like a great start to the season. Uh, It has not been great since then. Their record quickly went from 9-6-0 to 9-12-0. What's gone on since the Ducks beat the Preds a few weeks ago back on November
2: 14th? Well, you know, it was a a great story, guys. The six come from behind victories. But, you know, all good things must come to an end. And I think, you know, you, you, you can't keep trying to rely on coming from behind and eventually, you know, talent wins out and I think what what you're seeing in Anaheim is you know they haven't had Trevor Zegers for a good part of the year he's only played 12 games and even in those 12 games it's been one goal uh you know it's you you watch what you saw in the Edmonton game a couple of nights ago and the Oilers did a great job of exploiting the blue line in Anaheim and so I I think that you know what we what was such a great start you're, you're seeing some of the youth Is starting to shine in in, in not the best way. I mean, it's been some good stories, but I I, look. I think coming into the year, you know, I think the Ducks were were hoping that they were probably challenging for ninth, right? And that that was that would be a really good thing. But you know, since November nineteenth, they've been out of a playoff spot, and I think you know really where they're at right now is a lot more realistic. The way they've been losing, I mean, it's been ugly. You know, outscored twenty nine to eleven during this losing streak, and they've you know they've only mustered two goals or more than two goals once
0: in this losing streak. Yeah, and it's been bookended. We've mentioned this a couple times. Like They started this losing streak with an 8-2 loss, and then they lost 8-2 in uh, Edmonton as well. And Anytime that you give up eight goals in a game, there's going to be a little bit of focus on the goaltending. I wanted to ask you, you know, if you look at the split between uh, Jacob Dostal and um, John Gibson, Gibson's definitely the number one, but it almost looks like a 1A, 1B. Is that a fair assessment, or is Gibson still the guy for the Ducks?
2: I think Dosal is going to be the guy. I mean, he got off to a really good start, guys, and then I mean, his last three games have been well, not very good. I mean, his last three games, it's 19 goals on 89 shots, and, and doing the math, that's a 786 save percentage, and that's just not going to work. But the first, you know, five of his first six games, he was, you know, you know, around the 915 mark. So, you know, we saw Dostal, uh last season, and there was a lot of re- a lot of reason to be excited. Uh, and he was getting a lot of run you know, during that win streak. But this is really a, more of a collective thing. And, and I, I heard you guys talking about it earlier. I think the Ducks would love to be able to try to move John Gibson if the, you know, if the opportunity came about. It's just a question of, you know, does John Gibson want to leave Southern California and uh, and the beach?
1: yeah, tell us about that because there were some rumors, if I'm not mistaken over the off season about John Gibson potentially moving. And then I can't remember how that ha- what happened, but it got shot down, right?
2: Yeah, it did. And I think at one point the Pittsburgh Penguins were kind of kicking the tires on on John Gibson, you know when, when they lost out on Freddie Anderson and they were kind of deciding, you know, do we go with Tristan Jarry? Uh, or do we, you know, try to make a move for John Gibson, and they ultimately settled on Tristan Jari. Uh, you know, Gibson's a funny guy. I just, uh, I'm not really sure, you know, where where the winds blow on on what ultimately he wants. I, I would just think that, you know, look, there's no question he's more valuable to another team than he is to the Anaheim Ducks. But ultimately, you know, he he could potentially block a trade. And there's no question though that I think Dostal is the is the future here in Anaheim. What does
1: the overall future look like in Anaheim? We know they've drafted a lot of young players, some good young players, but are they able? Do you foresee them taking it to a level where those players that they've drafted can turn into elite players at all the key positions and the Ducks can become Stanley Cup contenders again?
2: I think so. I mean, look, the biggest question in Anaheim, guys, is, you know, they haven't been able to replace Ryan Getzloff The number one centers, you know, just don't fall off trees. Uh, but, you know, what they've got going, you know, with Leo Carlson, uh, you know, and, and I mean, this is, you know, he's definitely a talent and, you know, uh, Pat for Beek is managing his ice time. And, yeah. you know, he didn't play in the game in Edmonton. He will play tonight. I mean, he's third in goals on the team, despite playing in only 14 games this year. Now, He's got a shooting percentage of 20. I mean, that's, you know, that ain't lasting. I mean, I I think that that's a little off. But when you look at what they've got with Carlson and Terry and Zegres and and Drysdale, and then, you know, guys who aren't even up here in Zellwilger, you know, the blue line looks really good for the future. Uh, But ultimately, if if they can rebuild the center position, I mean, you know what it's like in in Vancouver and any team. You've got to have two elite centers. You have to have a Norris Trophy caliber defenseman and you've got to have an elite goaltender I think you know the ducks are getting closer to that and I, I like what I like what they're building here there is definitely a bright future ahead but there's growing pains that go with it uh, I do What's want to disc- Jose, Let's put it that way.
0: Right. I mean, God forbid anything is close to what San Jose is icing this year. The, the Carlson thing is interesting. The Leo plan, as they call it, is the second overall pick. He's young, but he's only 18. He's got a ton of talent. He scored the hat trick against Philadelphia earlier. So is it literally like one game on one game off? Like he plays one and then he rests the next one. How exactly does the plan work and how is it being received? I guess from fans and players and media.
2: Well, okay, um, it, I, it's definitely not playing back-to-back games. That, that's, you know, that's we've already seen. Okay. Um, so it, it, it's not necessarily one-on, one-off. I, I, I'm not sure, you know, the complete rationale behind what Pat Verbeek is doing. But here's the thing, guys. He's playing in Anaheim. He's not playing in Vancouver. Sure. And so you can get away with, you know, there's no explanation that's needed from Pat Verbeek to the media because we, there's not a big media throng. And this is the perfect market for a guy like Leo Carlson to play in because there is no pressure to play, and there's no pressure for Verbeek to address the issue. It, it's a very good situation for him. I mean, look, I, I had never watched the guy play. I was very familiar with Adam Fantilli. I was hoping to see Adam Fantilli here in, in, in Anaheim. But, I, you know, Pat Verbeek, uh, just like his, his, you know, Steve Eiserman, you know, pulled off what looks to be a really good pick in Carlson.
0: Um, I do want to spend a moment here to talk about the other California team that you follow quite closely. That's the Los Angeles Kings. They're eight, one and one over their last 10. They're tied with the Canucks now for second in the division with 29 points. Um, real simple question. Just how good is this LA team?
2: It's, I mean, it's good. I, I'm still like, look, they're 13, two and one since they lost their first two games to right. Carolina right. and Colorado. Uh, What's remarkable to me, guys, is that here they sit, you know, tied with Vancouver, you know, with, with, uh, you know, averaging four goals a game. But their leading scorer, Adrian Kempe, I think is like 36th in the league. But they're number one in PK, they're number one five on five. And the five on five, you know, stats meet it just like Seattle last year. I mean, it's very telling. You know, they're, it's like the sum of the parts is is greater than any one individual this year. And, and saying that, I mean, Adrian Kempe scored 76 goals. You know his last two seasons, so they've got it. When, when they stick to when when they stick to the system, as they say, they're a very tough team to beat. They don't beat themselves. Now, I'm interested to see what happens, guys. You know, with their schedule ahead, because I don't think they've had they haven't really beaten a lot of great teams yet. They they had one really good game where they did dominate the Golden Knights in Vegas, but you know they've got a stretch coming up where they're at Colorado, where they're going to try to you know add to that nine game. Uh, unbeaten streak on on the road and they've got the rangers and and winnipeg coming up over the next you know two weeks or so so i think i'd like to see how they do against the teams that are currently in a playoff spot because you know i'm still not sure they're really good look at the goal differential it's just behind your team uh there's a lot of good things in los angeles Uh, you know and and, but the word you know you talk to talk to people around the organization you know, they're excited, but it's like, okay, let's wait till the playoffs because, you know, look, last year they thought they were, you know, with Drew Doughty back healthy after missing the year before against Edmonton. They still couldn't beat Edmonton in the first round. Mm. Uh, you know, a lot of people are saying, let's see what happens in April. Uh,
0: I do want to ask you about Pierre-Luc Dubois. Five goals in 19 games. We actually had someone texting in earlier saying how sort of underwhelmed he's been by the start of Dubois' Tenure in LA. If I'm not mistaken, I kind of remember hearing you say, and it was an interesting take at the time. I filed it away that you thought it was not really the deal that the Kings needed to make because it wasn't really something that they needed as a team, given that they already had Kopitar and Deneau. So I'm curious, based on that, what you thought of uh, PLD through 19 games as a Los Angeles King?
2: Uh, underwhelming. I mean, he makes them better. Like, there's no question; they're better down the middle. Than they were a year ago. Now Blake Lazette goes into the four hole, which is where he should be. So they are better, but there's, I mean, I'm not overwhelmed by by Pierre Luc Dubois. And if this is ultimately the guy that's going to be, you know, your your number one center, uh, I, I you know, the, the the one thing that that kind of softens the blow somewhat is the way Cam Talbot has played so far, right? Because goaltending was really what they needed to fill. But Cam Talbot has played really well and and uh, you know it, it goes back to a game where they actually lost in a shootout to Vegas where I started to see some better things from Talbot now he's on a pace to play you know fifty five games uh, if he's got to play fifty five and then try to take you through the, the playoffs I mean talbot would, would would tell you that's not a good idea so Phoenix Copley has to be better than he's been. he's come off two wins against Montreal and Arizona, so it's not like he's had to play against the NHL elite, but they need to be able to cut Talbot's games down. Um, I, I, you know, what Dubois' playoff performance the last couple of years has been very underwhelming as well. So mm-hmm. again, it all comes down to what happens in the postseason. I still don't think it was the money that was best spent, but hey, if Talbot can be good, then it'll it'll work out.
1: This might sound like a weird, simple question that like a kid might ask, but who is the best player on the Kings right now?
2: Well, I, I, I'd say that the best player right now would probably be the captain. Um, Kopitar, you know, I, I didn't think that, uh, you know, he could repeat what he did last year, mm. but he seems to be reinvigorated to some degree. And, that's, you know, I'm not trying to take a shot at him and by any means. I mean, he looked he looked old and slow, I thought, in the playoffs last year. and But the way that Kempe and the way that Quinton Byfield has played you know, he doesn't have to do as much heavy lifting. Those guys do a lot more work. And, you know, Byfield has been, has really blossomed this year. And this was a big year for him because they needed, they need Quentin Byfield, I felt, to score f- at least 15 goals. And he's on pace for that. and He's on pace for around 72 points. So although he's not playing center, if he can be the top line, you know, left winger on that, on that, you know, for the LA Kings, well, that's great because he's not going to play center at least for another you know three seasons you know because Kopitar's got the two-year extension and they've got Byfield and Deneau here so um, what's happened with Byfield and Kempe I think has really made Anze Kopitar uh, even better than he's been I I think last year what about Drew Doughty I mean this guy is
1: a future Hall of Famer as is Kopitar where is his
2: game right now I think Drew's adjusted his game that he doesn't, you know, I thought last year was a bit of a struggle for him. He wasn't very good in the playoffs against Edmonton. I think Drew plays more of a safer game. He, he's been, he was more aggressive early on in the year, scored some big, big goals uh, in a couple of games, some late goals, one a time goal and one a winning goal. But I think Drew understands that the way this team is playing right now he there's more there's less risk to his game um i, I think it, it's he, it's a very quiet and calm game that drew plays and i don't think the points matter to him as much right now he'll pick his spots. i think in in many ways you know he, he, I, I don't know if I, I would call him norris trophy but he he definitely is still elite where i wasn't so sure after last season
0: Jonathan, this was awesome, man. Thanks a lot for taking the time to do this today. We really appreciate you. Let's get you back on when uh, the Kings roll through town.
2: Anytime, boys. Have a good one. Always appreciate a
0: pleasure it. listening to you in the morning. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. That's Jonathan Davis uh, from NHL Network Ice Cap. He also appears um, West Coast Hockey, so he does almost all of the California scenes. we got to have him on more. He's very good. Yeah, JD's real good. He, mm-hmm. he He's done stuff with uh, Sportsnet TV in the past and obviously the other uh, channels on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
1: Uh, so let's set up the Vancouver Canucks week. Tonight, they are hosting the Anaheim Ducks. We've talked a lot about the Ducks today. Um, the Ducks are on a heck of a losing streak after a somewhat encouraging start that I think most people probably thought was going to fall apart. And it's falling apart right now. they got a lot of young players. Um, the team is in, uh, is under construction right now. And right now, you've got a lot of missing pieces and sure. just young players that are probably going to start finding the league hard.
0: Sounds like we get to see Leo Carlson tonight. So
1: Yeah, that, of- that'll be interesting, right? Yeah. Um, they lost 8-2 um, to the Oilers recently, uh, and their six-game losing streak started with an 8-2 loss. So this is a team that the Canucks should jump on. And, and we said the same thing about San Jose, but the Canucks have now had, uh, they've been able to come home, they've had a couple days off, they've had, I think, a much-needed practice To reset everything and for the coaching staff to be able to go out there and give some instruction, Andre Kuzmenko is going to be back in the lineup tonight. It sounds like, although Tockett would not um, commit to this yesterday, it sounds like Phil DiGiuseppe could be the odd man out tonight. It's tough. Um, So it's the Ducks tonight. And then Vegas rolls into town on Thursday. Vegas lost last night in overtime to Calgary, and they play Edmonton tonight. And that, I mean, I'm going to be flipping back and forth yep, that between game, games. That game is a big one. You know, they see Oilers versus Vegas. We'll see if this Oilers resurgence is for real, and we'll see if Vegas is in a bad mood after losing to Calgary. But Vegas might also be tired. Hopefully Vegas is still a little bit tired when they roll into Vancouver to play the Canucks on Thursday. And then Saturday, the Canucks go to Calgary to play the Flames. So all three of these games are interesting. And I know I've said it a million times this season, but I'm going to say it again. It is so fun to look forward to individual games and then to look back on those games like they matter because they do matter. The ha- last half of last season was like, the Canucks play tonight. I don't know if you're going to watch it. We might talk about it tomorrow, but it would be every conversation. We wouldn't be like, and then, you know, they left Fabian Zetterlund uh,
0: alone in the slot and they right. were caught puck watching. We'd be like, and
1: they played badly again and lost. End of story.
0: <laughs> right. Right, right. You know? I, hey, I watch the out-of-town scoreboard now because it pertains to what the Canucks are doing, as opposed to last year, where I followed the out-of-town scoreboard to distract me from what the Canucks were doing, like that. There's a big difference. Yeah, there. you you follow the
1: out-of-town scoreboard. Well, you're last got year, something you're like, else
0: interesting. Well, to how, talk about. How,
1: can the Canucks get into the Bedard sweepstakes
0: here? Yeah. Now, I mean, I look at it now, and I'm like, hey. If you're watching the game tonight, which I assume you will be, make sure you tune in an hour early so you can catch some of the Vegas-Edmonton game, which is a huge game, and the implications for the Canucks are pretty obvious. Instead of hate-watching, it's love-watching is what we're really at now. We are love-watching. We're love-watching. Yeah, There's got to be a better phrasing for it, but we'll go with love-watching for now, (laughs) which is fine. By the way, (laughs) just normal normal watching. (laughs) watching. Um, Love-watching. On a totally different note, uh, I'm getting getting word on the wire here. That's what I like to call my Twitter timeline, the wire. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the wire. Um, so yesterday, we were on the air when Frank Reich got fired in Carolina. Mm. And then we had – this is NFL talk now. And uh, we had Nick Shook from NFL.com on the show to react to it live in the moment. So David Tepper is the owner of the Carolina Panthers. And he came under a lot of scrutiny yesterday – Because he hired Frank Reich, and he's like, this guy's going to be our coach of the future. They gave him a four-year deal, and then he lasted a grand total of 11 games Mm -hmm. as head coach. With a a new quarterback, first overall pick, Bryce Young. So, apparently, Tepper's meeting with the media today, and I actually should rephrase that. Tepper met with the media because they just abruptly ended it. 10 minutes before it was supposed to end while he was in the middle of taking a lot of hard questions from reporters. Oh. So Steve Reed from the Associated Press say the Panthers abruptly ended the news conference with their owner uh, well before reporters were done asking questions. So it sounded like it got pretty testy mm-hmm. the last sort of salvo. And I don't know how long after they ended it, but someone the was, last question was like, what are you an idiot? Are you some kind of jerk? <laughs> They asked him about his impatience because right. he also gave Matt Rule a big contract to get him out of Baylor. And then he impatiently
1: left the press conference.
0: Right. And, <laughs> so to prove he wasn't impatient, he abruptly ended <laughs> the question and answer period. Well, I'll show him.
1: Let's hope we can get some audio. Yeah, we'll try and track them uh, some audio. For later on the show. Uh, this is just in from Elliot Friedman. Um, if you're just joining us, Patrick Kane has signed with Detroit. Uh And Frege reports that the Kane deal is one year at $2.75 million. Okay. I was kind of
0: curious about um, how much they were going to have to pay. I was mostly curious about term. Yeah, didn't Laddie? I think Laddie threw it out there that you saw it might have been a two year deal. That might have been what Kane was holding up for, but it is indeed a one year deal, Mm. $2.75 million. I'll be
1: curious to know if Detroit was his first. It couldn't have been. It couldn't have been because free generic were talking about Dallas yeah and how there had been word and it, the Kane camp kept this all pretty close to the vest okay but there had been little word that um you know if Kane could go to one place it would be Dallas I I don't know why for whatever reason it was it, it was Dallas were but the Rangers in there, too? One but, but 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 Dallas was a team that was kind of like oh I don't know if he fits yeah and that's fair because I think a lot of people watched Patrick Kane in the playoffs last year and they were like yeah he's not the impact player he is he he used
0: to be and who knows how he's going to be after this uh this operation on his hip well I also think it's you have to figure out where he's going to play on your team because I think one of the it was very illustrative when he joined the Rangers that they got him because he was available but it didn't really fit exactly what they wanted to do or like it moves other guys around. Like you can't bring Kane on and play him like Ho- Hoglander minutes, like 10 minutes a night. Mm. Like it's just, he takes up too much oxygen. He's too big of a star. Those things do matter. Like in New York, he needs was, to be on the power play. Yeah. So it's like in New York, it kind of comes at the expense of, well, probably Lafreniere and Kako. Cause they're not going to get those cherry mm. minutes on the power play anymore. Right. And then you look at maybe a place like Dallas, it would have been more difficult. Because there's a lot of mouths to feed there, maybe it's easier in Detroit. Brendan Bachelor is
1: going to join us next. Uh, just a public service announcement: you can stop texting us uh, uh, b- about the Connor Bedard rumors. We will we will not be addressing those. I don't even know what they are.
0: Yeah, what? What do you mean? What? What Connor Bedard rumors? Can't talk about something I don't know. No, I know that. You're listening to the Halford the Rough Show on Sportsnet 650.